Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm doing well. I'm holding Cass, who's not doing so well. He's not really sleeping tonight, so I'm just holding him. But we had already opened this fabulous wine for this very important episode, so we're carrying on here. Pushing on. It's episode 69 of The Long Finish. It's a very special episode because the wine world lost a titan in the industry in the past week, uh, someone that we are nice enough to consider friends of their family. And Catherine, you want to let us know a little bit more of that because we're going to dedicate this episode to this person. This de- episode is dedicated to Becky Wasserman, a legend in the wine industry, a legend for women, a fantastic human being, a friend. I don't know. Well, you're going to learn about her tonight. We're just going to share some memories, share a little bit about her, but you can read a lot about there have been some wonderful articles coming out about her and her life, which have over the last couple of years anyway. And we're drinking a wine that her company exports. She has a company called Becky Wasserman and Co and exports fantastic wines from small families in Burgundy. And tonight we're drinking a Burgundy, a bottle that we got on our trip when we met Becky Wasserman in 2014. That's right. And this is the Domaine Sylvan Pataille Les Langeois Marcenet 2012 from Burgundy. This is a gorgeous Pinot Noir. So this will be an opportunity for us to talk a little bit about Burgundy and many other things, including, we also talk about this a lot on the podcast, if you find a wine you like, turn the label around so you can see who's bringing in the wine, who's importing the wine. And Becky Wasserman... We own a lot of Becky Wasserman wines. We have a ton at Esther's. Um, and what's interesting about Becky Wasserman is really she is, her company is an exporter. So what they do is link up with different importers and they work with two different importers in Los Angeles, but they link up the domains and get them with an importer and out of Burgundy. So more on this wine in a little bit, but of course we got to catch up been quite a summer for the Coker household, and uh, we should catch you up on a few things that have taken place in August, including our first trip as a family of five. I'm sure Catherine's drinking partially tonight to forget the travel that we just took over the past two I weeks. I can't even believe you would dare remind me <laughs> of the travel. Let's just give it a two thumbs down. No stars. Would not recommend traveling with five so yes we traveled back to virginia which is where i grew up and had a great time while we were there but the travel you know all the all the adults listening to the show i mean we were kids once i mean we didn't recognize how hard it was to travel with kids no way when you're in the middle. also we didn't even have we didn't have ipads or any of that stuff no. when we were kids i don't know how they did it i mean airports were a little bit easier to navigate you know when we were kids than they are now and it's covid i mean it's just like it wasn't that pleasant. And you and I want to have screen discipline when it comes to raising our kids, but that goes completely out the window when we're flying. All the rules go out the window yeah. for flying. You're just like, our two and a half year old had a pacifier the whole 17 hours of travel on the first day. 
But Passed because, the that was rolling around on the plane. Oh my it was, gosh. You know, immediately, he, got, he, he got sick. We had to get a COVID did, test. He did test negative. But of course he got sick. Well, let's, we missed our first flight. We were in an airport for four hours. We got on another flight to a different city, to, to New York, then transferred to another flight to D.C., but our luggage was at a different airport. So we flew into there. Dulles. Original flight was to Reagan National, so we had to go from Dulles to National. It's at midnight also. We flew on Friday morning out of LAX, and there was a quote-unquote suspicious car somewhere in the LAX terminal. So they closed off LAX, and people had to get off at Terminal 1 and walk to whatever terminal they were going to. We were luckily at Terminal 2, but still... Luckily, I had my Sherpa here with me. Still 400 yards away, and we have... Ten bags and three kids. I'm Plus lugging, the car seat. I'm, the car seat. I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm hoofing. I'm sweating so profusely. I basically just toss everything in my wallet to this red cap to help us get a, even a chance to make the flight. And then there was this weird situation where we had to take a bus. Some, you know, airports you bank for this. Like Dulles Airport has like a term, you know, has a shuttle. Never seen one at LAX before, but there was one that particular day. So we had to get on the shuttle. The bus driver parks too close to the gate. So he has to spend about five minutes backing up honking at the bus behind him we run to the terminal with our three kids and our five six bags at this point and they call last call and we walk onto the plane and they basically walk us back off the plane and said that they had closed the flight so we missed the flight had to spend four hours in lx trying to reschedule like like Catherine said flew to jfk then to dullis then drive to national to pick up our luggage and get home then I'll, I'll by the know, time 12, we got to your o'clock. parents' house, yeah. it's like one in the morning. The kids had fallen asleep 10 minutes before. After all that, after all that, they fall asleep like 10 minutes before we get to your parents' house. We get there. We take them in. We get them into the bedroom. They wake up screaming. Where are we? This is the scariest place. They don't remember it from two years ago. It was just, oh, those poor children. I felt so bad for them. I felt bad for me. I felt bad for me and you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you included me at the last minute in that. And you. Um, <laughs> and then Bo proceeded to have the time of his life with his cousins and just being with your parents and was absolutely fantastic. The two and a half year old, as you said, got sick. Uh, it took a little a while to warm up and he, he did okay. Baby was fine. I really enjoy visiting your family. It was so wonderful to see everyone. The travel would not recommend. We're so burned by the travel. When do you think our next flight will be? 2025. <laughs> that's right. I've already booked this a flight. Well, that's fine. Yeah. I'm sure I'll be ready. Yeah. So crazy 12-day stretch for us and our family. Maybe we'll do it one more time over the holidays, but it is. It is. we will plan better. What? Uh, I don't know. I thought you would want to go to Colorado. I don't want to travel ever again. I love it. I love it. Okay, we're done. We're shutting it down. You heard it here, Let's folks. Let's get an Astro van. I am. <laughs> you heard done. it here first, folks. Astro van? We're gonna drive? No, that's ridiculous. We can't handle five hours in a plane. We're gonna try to drive two days to get to Colorado. We can drive at night. You're insane. Anyway. Well, this is a good segue because we think of Becky Wasserman and and her family. That's how we met Becky Wasserman through her son, Paul. And this encounter that we had with Becky Wasserman in 2014 was basically the crown jewel experience that we had while we were in France, testing wines, trying wines, meeting people before we opened Esther's the next year. 
Sylvan Bataille was probably the first place it was. we visited in Burgundy. And I'll set the scene. I mean, but I, th- I want to hear you sort of take the lead on this conversation because you're much more familiar with the players in the story. We did meet Becky Wasserman in 2014 because we were traveling to Burgundy, getting ready to open Esther's. I had become friends with Paul Wasserman, her son, in Los Angeles because I wanted to learn more about Burgundy. And we had a lunch with another friend and he was talking to me about Burgundies and we started to become friends. And then when I told him I was making this trip, he planned for us to see a ton of producers. He planned the whole trip, including lunches, recommendations for dinner, all that kind of thing. And I had an earlier part of the trip with my mother in the Loire, which he planned much of that as well. Not as much to the lunches, but the producers we were visiting. And in Burgundy, we were seeing three or four people a day with a lunch. And he said, okay, but you're also going to have to have dinner at my mom's house one night. And I knew of Becky Wasserman because I knew the Becky Wasserman and Co. label on the back of wines. I knew that she was the person who exported so many of these Burgundian producers that I absolutely loved. I also knew that she was kind of a legend because she started this company when women really weren't taking the lead on in business at all, let alone in the wine industry. But I didn't know too much about her personally. Later come to find out she's from New York. So this is a funny thing. Before we went on the trip, after he had said, okay, you know, you're going to have dinner at my mom's house. I said, is there something from the States that she loves that we could bring her? No, no, no. Actually, she loves those Thomas English muffins. I said, done. Okay. So we got several packs of those to put in the suitcase to bring over. And I remember when we arrived at the house, first thing we did was lift them up and she was beyond. We were in. That was it. The muffins. I do remember that. I mean, I also remember the drive over there because it was at night. It was in November when we went. And it was just the four of us. It was Russell, Becky, you and me. Russell cooked. And the the four of us just had a wonderful time. And this isn't to make it feel like we were special or anything. This is something that she did. If you look at the tributes that are going on with Becky Wasserman, she did this with everyone. All the time. So generous. We had just finished this epic day of wine tasting. We're so tired. We get in the car. It's oh, Monday, 30, 9 o'clock. We arrive at her house. They just welcome us like we were old friends. And as you said, it was just the four of us. And we had a fabulous dinner that Russell, her husband, cooked. And we all sat around and just talked about wine and burgundy and her story and his story. And it was a magical night. I think they are unbelievable hosts and unbelievably generous they opened some old burgundies and I mean we just felt like so special the red carpet rolled out and I think as you're saying that's how they made everyone feel no wonder she's so beloved so she moved to burgundy in her 20s with her first husband who was an artist and she had two sons Peter and Paul and then as Paul likes to say her husband took a girlfriend for the summer so he left and she had to find work and she worked selling barrels to American winemakers that was her first job and she had the kids like write letters to these American wineries about why they should take these wine barrels and then she had a job with Kermit Lynch 
And eventually she started Le Cerbe. That was the original name of her company later, Becky Wasserman and Co. Because she was meeting all of these winemakers and thought she could introduce them to the American market. And when she started in Burgundy, none of these people were exported. They were all small families, small growers. They couldn't make enough wine to get shipped. What she really started doing, which she learned with Kermit Lynch too, was putting these all together to make enough for a container. So you had a bunch of small little family domains. You could actually export them by combining them together. She knew so many people. She was always connecting people. We met a young winemaker, David Croix, who she had met coming out of school and bone and connected him with people who could finance his project. And she was always making the right connections, either for young sommeliers or young winemakers who were up and coming. And she made her best, her sort of creme de la creme of her book, just by being generous and by offering to help people. I remember when we were at her house, I said, you know, something that's really hard for me is when I meet a winemaker, I'm so charmed by them. I just always buy the wine and then sometimes I regret it later. She said, oh, I am the same way. I make them drop off their bottles. I don't want to meet them <laughs> because I am completely taken with the people themselves. And she did. She talked about making mistakes and that way and in other ways too, especially as a woman, it was hard to to run a business in the 70s and have people take you seriously and not make mistakes, but she did both. <laughs> she had people take her seriously and she made mistakes. I have here this book that she gave me when we were at her house called Wine Taster's Logic by Pat Simon. It's thinking about wine and enjoying it. A great book. I think we had a big conversation when we were at her home that really still sticks with me about all these sommeliers that would come to the, her house and talk so technical. And she was like, but what about the pleasure? That doesn't interest me what they're talking about. What about enjoying the wine? And I so connected with that. Here's this person who knows <laughs> all the most amazing winemakers in the world. And she's just talking about enjoying the wine. That really made a big impression on me. She also showed, I don't know if you remember this, but she was showing us old pictures of her mother, who is a ballerina in New York. Anyway, a fantastic, personable, warm, legendary woman. The last thing I'll say was we had lunch at her office one day. She employs almost all women and they had all worked for her for years and they make it a practice to have lunch together every day, I think. And someone cooks and they drink leftover bottles that have been dropped or open something that they represent because they want to have that time to share and just enjoy together. I loved that practice and I loved the feel of the office and everyone we met there. No wonder she has such fabulous people working for her. Her son, Paul, is also a friend and equally as generous. And we would never have made this trip or done any of these things without him. Do you remember what we had for dinner? A roast chicken That's and right. a salad with the best cheese of my life after. <laughs> I'm looking at the tributes from Becky Wasserman and Co.'s Instagram and there, there's several people talking about the meals that they had there and the you know that's the unbelievable evening i think that's what's also inspiring to me one she you know she started her business when she was no spring chicken when she started her business i think she was in her 40s 
And also, I love the fact that she just continued to bring people. It felt like a salon of sorts of bringing people into her yes. her her home and having dinner and just getting to connect with them. And maybe that's the only time you connect with this person, but it's still it's like it's very inspiring to me to say like, who can we meet tonight? What can I? What can I? How do we connect tonight? I think that is just such a great way to go through life. Seems like she does that with the, the winemakers that she works with, the people she works with, and it just feels like a life well lived. Absolutely, really great experience. I mean that. I mean, I think about that trip a lot, and I, I definitely think of that dinner as the highlight of that trip. And you and I got married that trip. Did we? No. Um. <laughs> that was like our fourth honeymoon. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, they hosted chefs, they hosted sommeliers, they hosted wine writers, they hosted friends of friends, they hosted. People were really interested in Burgundy and wanted to fund someone doing something special. I mean, all kinds of people who would make their way and having their first visit or their 10th visit, just truly generous in that way. That That's like the spirit of wine that I love, Yeah, that it brings to the table more than just a bottle, but all these people in this fellowship. It's a great memory for us. It's really sad to, to hear that news last week when we got the news, but I've, I have enjoyed looking at all the tributes that she's receiving, her company's receiving about Becky Wassman. Uh, and if you have a chance to read about her, read about her life, it really is a compelling, interesting life. And as we transition to the wine of the night, she talks about like finding the small producers, not necessarily like relying on the Grand Crew, Premier Crew. There are other people making great wine, in addition to those stalwarts that are in Burgundy. Yeah, and she she has blue chips in her book, and it allowed her to take a chance on uh, smaller people as well. But when Paul talks about some of these people, you know, he grew up with them. They were neighbors. I mean, it wasn't like this big reach. And Burgundy then wasn't what it is now in the States. There were so many people were just farmers, so Sylvan Patai, yes, someone for sure that she took a chance on. Younger winemaker, didn't grow up, like his father did not make wine. His grandfather had a tiny little vineyard. He lost almost all of it in the First World War, and a tiny little bit was left over. But Sylvan was so obsessed with this idea of being in the wine world, of making wine. He went to school in Burgundy. He went to school in Bordeaux. He worked in a lab for a while. He just really wanted to make his own wine. And finally, he was able to take that vineyard that his grandfather had and start purchasing other plots, which is amazing because it's crazy expensive. Now he's in Marcinet, which is the northernmost appellation, the nor- northernmost village in the Cote d'Or. So it's above Gevry-Chambertin, it's above Fixine, and it's right below the city of Dijon. Marcinet currently does not have any premier crews, so sometimes it's, you know, like a lesser village or whatever. It's quote-unquote. Quote-unquote lesser. Doing. Yeah, because it doesn't have these premier crews or grand crews. It's not Chevry-Chambertin, but in a way that leaves a lot of room for a young winemaker to come in and do something really special. And also, we may find in the next couple of years that there are premier crews there. It's been a process that started in the early 2000s. It's still ongoing. Anyway, Sylvain Patai. So he makes beautiful wines, very much a natural producer, native yeast fermentation, biodynamic practices, working 
with the lunar calendar, he is feeling his way through the winemaking process. And Le Langeois, 100% Pinot Noir, Le Langeois is one of the largest vineyards in Marcenay. He has one of the best plots there. I think his wines are always very alive. Yes, he is a natural producer and does these this natural farming as well, but there is like energy in his wines. There's they're not dampened by too much oak, they're not dampened by over winemaking. There is just life and vibrancy in the glass. We met him on a very early morning and he was showing us his grandfather's book and notes. A little, I remember that so clearly. A notebook he had just recently discovered, I yeah. believe. Uh, notes about the vineyard and he was so enthralled with it he just always knew he wanted to be a winemaker he spent a lot of time with his grandfather i believe gosh this wine is gorgeous we got this on our trip so it's a 2012 and it's an absolute pleasure and perfect condition to be drinking right now this is why i had to pull this baby out of the bed (laughs) that was upset and crying and sit him on my lap so we could enjoy this together well you know me Catherine. is that i would hold on to this wine i'm such a delayed gratifier i would hold on this wine forever but this is what if becky wasserman taught us nothing it's drink great wine in celebration of one another you and i talked about it was like, let's pull some great bottle out this is one we had i'm so thrilled i mean great wine is for drinking it's for being together it's for fellowship it's for enjoying it's not for sitting in a closet <laughs> One thing I'll say for people out there who have not been to Burgundy, Catherine may know more about what to expect. I didn't really know what to expect, but I think we had been to Italy earlier in the year, and there were some. We went to some of the biggest Barolo houses in the world, and they, there were some pretty big estates. I mean, the houses were very nice, and some of these houses in, in Burgundy were nice. But like you, you think like, oh, Burgundy is like this world class winemaking place. You probably think like they're made of their palaces and stuff, and they're just small houses i mean we were, we were basically like in the basement it was like an old wooden door that we just walked down and some of the tie is like very he looks like a mad scientist he's got wild curly, curly hair, hair and a jolly warm big face and he's just there studying this like old notebook in this dusty cellar and it's freezing cold in november and i was like wow okay this is romantic yeah <laughs> i think you're right i mean Burgundy has this cachet from, uh, we know that the monks set it up. It's like this historic place for wines, best wines in the world. The bottles are so expensive, but it's just people there making the wines. And there's only a few, like, you know, there are some wineries that have a lot of money and showy, but it's not like Napa. It's not a place where you just go touring. Most of it is just people. And farmers and a lot of people that have inherited this for generations, they couldn't afford to buy what they own right now. Becky lived in this most charming stone farmhouse about 10 miles from Bone. Not a fancy place, but absolutely idyllic and so charming. And that's kind of how all of Burgundy is. Uh, Though Bone is a magical city. Bone is awesome. Bone is a magical city. (laughs) I think there are other people in the wine industry, a few, just a few who have that, that reputation for being these amazing hosts and taking into their, taking you into their home. Certainly wine, some winemakers are that way. They'd like to entertain people who come to visit them. They're small, but other people, 
you know, one that comes to mind is the Peyrode family, Lulu and Lucien Peyrode of Domaine Tampier. And Lulu used to cook these epic meals and have so many people visit and, and entertain them when they were coming through Bendel. She passed away last year. You and I have always had a passion to be good hosts. We were a little uncomfortable at being hosts at our old apartment because it wasn't big enough to host people. But we were inspired by Becky Wasserman and Russell because we had an amazing chicken dinner. And you and I decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to try to have people over once a month and make the perfect roast chicken dinner. Yes. This was a goal we had a few years ago. And we were ready. We did it in our apartment. Okay, who we're going to invite this month? We're working on our recipe for this roast chicken. We're going to perfect it. By the end of the year, we're going to have the perfect roast chicken. No, we didn't get far enough because we were consumed by Esther's mostly. But we should restart that. We should restart it. And we've had a few people over here that mostly, you know, parents, and we have like pizza. But we, at some point, you know, when we get into a routine, we should bring it back in, in honor of Becky and the great time that we had with her and Russell. And the great cheese. And the great wine. Do you remember the cheese? I'm sure it was a pois, or, but there was a board of cheese. I yeah. mean, it was just like, also, I was probably so drunk by then. I don't know <laughs> if I remember any of it. I mean. It's amazing you remember as much as you do. It is kind of amazing. I just have, you ever have those, you know, those memories that you can just see certain things from the night, but you don't really, you don't remember the whole night. Literally but you have my those life. Images. Literally my life. That's that. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the wine and what you're tasting right now. And one thing I always remember you saying about, well, wine in general, but especially about Burgundy, is that you take your time with these bottles of wine because they change over the course of the evening. Has this wine changed for you? Definitely. When it, as soon as I opened it, I knew, oh, gosh, this is beautiful and it's ready to drink. And I'm so excited to be opening it. So right out of the gate, sometimes... It's not like that with Burgundy. Sometimes it takes a while. And then sometimes it never even comes around. You and I have done some tastings where I'm like, I know this producer is good. Don't judge it based on this bottle because it wasn't a great day for it. I know the exact tasting you're talking about. I was going to bring that up because it makes me think about Burgundy as being this fickle wine because you never know when you open it. Like you, you might have bought a very nice bottle of wine for a special occasion and it may just not want to open for you. <laughs> it might day. not be the right day. Yeah. It might not be the right week, but it might just not be the right day. It is that way. And for me, I mean, that's why I love it. But um, you do have a little bit better chance waiting and reading online and talking to friends. How are the 2012s right now? You know, do yourself a favor and do that before you before you open it. But we can pass along that this 2012 is drinking so well. Yeah. The nose is all that red fruit that you love from Pinot Noir cherry there's some strawberry but there's like intense earthiness mushroom and wet soil crushed dried flowers it's super vibrant and the complexity isn't doesn't take away from like there's still fresh fruit in this wine it's got a good balance of being serious and being just delicious that's kind of what I mean about Sylvain Patai the wines always have that energy to them they're not overly done. The other big time producer in Marcinet, other, I mean, there are, are there several, but probably the most known is Bruno Claire, another small winery that's also with exported by Be- Becky Wasserman. Completely different style than this. He uses more oak. It's more polished around the edges. But these wines from Sylvain are just vibrant. 
I took a lot of pictures of this trip, so make sure you check our Instagram at The Long Finish. Over the course of the week, we release this podcast and look at uh, help us go down a stroll down memory lane. It's quite fun to to get back into this wine and, and really... We haven't had a wine from our cellar. Yeah. Or... Or emotionally invested in this Yeah, wine. and it is really special. I don't think since... Certainly not in over a year since we've had the baby. So let's talk about food pairings for this wine and for Burgundy. I mean, we already talked about our roast chicken. And cheese. I mean, this is great with duck. We opened it tonight with our dinner, which was a roast pork tenderloin, and it was good with that. This is a really beautiful Pinot Noir. I mean, come on. I don't know how loud we are on this podcast because we have a sleeping baby who's going to be up all night. Yeah, we're kind of soft. (laughs) It's because I have this baby in front of me. And just know... I'm doing it for the wine tonight because, yeah, I'm going to be up all night. Great wine. Where can we find some of the wines from Sylvan Bataille or from Becky Wasserman or from Burgundy for people out there listening to the show? Your fine wine shop, wherever you live, should have great wines from Burgundy and ask them about wines from Becky Wasserman. You will see her logo on the back. There, She works with different importers in each region, so can't say exactly who the importer would be in los angeles it's veritas and the source but these are wines that you should be able to find small domains small family domains and as i said they do have an instagram so follow them on instagram and dm them ask them where they uh, you know follow them on instagram ask them also their website is fantastic so if you go and you want to read about the soil the geology the history the farming practices the winemaker of any wine you can find it on their website it's excellent so we want to make sure we came on and pay tribute to becky wasserman pay our respects to her family russell sons peter paul to say we're thinking about them, we love them, and we want to let you all know uh, how important she was to the wine world and to people pretending to be in the wine world, like myself. Just a great person. Life well lived, as I said earlier. Yes. I want to say thank you, Becky, for being such a warm and spirited, generous person in this very serious masculine wine world. It was a joy to know you and thank you Paul for your friendship and for introducing us and I wish you and your family all the best we will hold you in our hearts so yeah if you're thinking about holding off on taking that nice bottle of the wine out of the fridge or drinking it we say go ahead and drink it drink the wine celebrate life all right that's it that's it for episode 69 of the long finish Episode 69 is in the books. If you have an opportunity to rate, review, and subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, it means a lot to us. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Wild Coker on Instagram and Facebook. You can find The Long Finish at The Long Finish on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. Thanks again to everybody for listening to the show. Hope you're having a great summer. We should be back after Labor Day with some new episodes of the show bringing you some great wines trying to keep up with what's going on in our crazy life uh so stay tuned for that until then have a great week have a great labor day if you're living in the u.s and happy drinking ciao